The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Welcome to KXAN News Today. Here are your Thursday morning headlines. Austin police arresting two men accused of robbing several banks in Austin and in North Texas. From January to last week, Dallas PD sharing surveillance video with Austin police. And during last week's robbery in Austin, police recognized the vehicle. Investigators say the pair, Ricky Moore and Zachary Hughes, confessed. State troopers are investigating a deadly crash last night on FM 812. Austin Travis County EMS saying four people were hurt, including two children. Paramedics taking a child and an adult to the hospital. This happened just east of the Circuit of the Americas. First responders say it happened near a home. Two cars involved, one of them crashing into a fence. Later on today, Austin City leaders figure out how to pay Austin police officers salaries and benefits without their current contract expiring at the end of the month. Today's vote is the latest step in a dispute that will soon involve Austin voters. They will also discuss working out a long-term contract with the police union. Today, Senator John Cornyn will be in Central Texas raising awareness about a deadly crisis. He is meeting with Hayes School District leaders and parents who lost a child to fentanyl poisoning. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. I'm Sally Hernandez. This comes after Brandon Dunn's emotional testimony to lawmakers in D.C. This was earlier this month about the death of his 15-year-old son, Noah, last year. The pill he took contained eight milligrams of fentanyl, which is four times the lethal, lethal dose. Noah is one of five Hay CISD students who died from the lethal drug this school year. As a response, the district launched its Fighting Fentanyl campaign, and that's a series of educational videos. Cornyn's office says more than 1,600 Texans died from fentanyl in 2012. That is an 89% increase from the year before. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Good Thursday morning. We begin with a live look outside. We've got a little bit of cloud cover up here. This is the view from the Whittlesea Landscape Supplies weather camera there in Granite Shoals. We're not seeing anything in the way of rain up top, though. I think the clouds a little closer to the ground are more of a concern this morning. We've got some fog in some places. It's not widespread, and I'm not seeing any dense fog yet. However, that could change throughout the morning. So on your way out the door, maybe you're listening to our podcast in the car this morning. Thank you for doing that. We do have some areas of reduced visibility that we'll be watching for over the next few hours, but at least we're still keeping these nice mild temperatures. We are in those 50s and 60s everywhere you look. Low 70s in Fayette County, 66 here in Austin, 50s out in the Hill Country. Bus stop forecast. Parents watching at home, I think we can plan on another very warm day from those 60s this morning. We are on our way to the 80s again. Not quite that 91 we had yesterday, but it is still going to be unseasonally warm, especially by February standards. Rain chances on the low side beginning tomorrow, or excuse me, into Friday and this weekend. We'll break down the details of just how much rain we can expect and the temperature forecast tomorrow is looking real tricky. I'm showing you what I'm looking at here in just a few minutes. Thank you, Kristen. This morning we're learning more about one of last weekend's street takeovers in Austin. About an hour before this happened, there was a crowd of cars that gathered in a parking lot in Sunset Valley near South Austin. And that's about 10 minutes from Barton Springs and South Lamar. And the video that we have shows an interaction between Sunset Valley Police and some of the drivers. We're still waiting, though, for legal permission to show you that video. But our Brianna Hall has watched it and walks us through it. Surprised that 
just how many people um, the officers were dealing with. Chief Len Carter of the 14 officer Sunset Valley Police Department says police showed up to the Meadowview Shopping Center around 8 p.m. Saturday after a customer called 911. Certainly frightened by all the people in the parking lot, all the car, cars. In the video, you see dozens of cars in this parking lot and even more people gathered around. At some points, you see smoke and cars and trucks speeding through. And look, four days later, you can still see skid marks on the ground. At one point, a Sunset Valley officer tells the crowd, if the store tells us you have to leave, you're going to have to leave, and then uses an expletive to tell them not to mess up. To make some kind of connection with who she thought was the leadership of that group, uh, she went there and basically told them, hey, here's the rules. Chief Carter says this has happened a few times recently, crowds gathering in Sunset Valley and then dispersing, but he says until this weekend, nothing escalated to what happened at the street takeovers we saw in Austin. She was certainly outnumbered and she sat back and watched it. It's just, it, gave, it gives the appearance that she was joking around with them when actually she was drawing the line on what they could get away with. Chief Carter says once the officers saw the crowd getting disorderly, it took them about 25 minutes to get everyone off the property. She got on the radio and mentioned that she thought there were 500 vehicles uh, being disorderly in the parking lot. But then shortly thereafter, two officers were able to clear that whole scene. Should they have done more? Looking back, I think that maybe they could have clarified the dispatch, hey, they were very disorderly, but really what the officers were dealing with was nothing like what we later saw. So I'm not sure that they would have known. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. Okay, so the Sunset Valley police chief there also says senses will definitely be heightened to further gatherings like that in the future. We were curious about staffing at Sunset Valley Police, the department there. It's a small department. There are a total of about 15 employees. The majority are sworn police officers. The city has more than 650 people within its borders. It covers a small section of Southwest Austin, and that is border between 290 and Westgate Boulevard along Brody Lane. Now, Austin ISD is laying out the projects it will tackle first, paid for by that $2.4 billion bond voters approved back in November. And as KXAN's Nabil Ramanda shows us, some of these projects are going to be starting soon. After the bond passed, the district went to work prioritizing which schools would receive work the fastest. And today they released a timeline showing what those schools are and when that work should begin. The 2022 bond includes 25 schools that will be modernized. Four other schools on the list, Cook, Oak Hill, Odom, and Williams, are open concept and will receive major upgrades as well. The district says it has prioritized safety and security to figure out which schools would receive work and when, but it also wanted to ensure schools in historically underserved areas are also prioritized. The district says the planning is already happening and projects will start soon. Also see some work going on uh, this summer with some of those safety and security projects, fences, uh, improvements to locks and keys and door hardware, um, and then some other things like HVAC, which aren't safety and security, but, um, but are critical to uh, keeping the, the students and the faculty and staff comfortable in our buildings. AISD says modernization projects will continue for the next six years, with some being completed as soon as 2025. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. And the bond includes more than 300 targeted projects across the district, including adding secure entry vestibules to every school that doesn't currently have one. We have a map and a timeline of the full project for you online right now at KXAN.com. You'll also find a link to the district's new site that will let you see how every bond dollar is spent.
A journalist killed and another in critical condition after shooting in Florida. What we are learning about the suspect's possible connection to the victims. Protecting our girls, a renewed push for teen girls to speak up as we dig into the latest report showing the sharp rise of young girls in America dealing with sexual violence. Good morning. It is Thursday, February the 23rd. A live look outside for one of our many cameras throughout Central Texas. This went over at Granite Shoals, our Whittlesea camera that you see right there. Orlando police say a gunman killed three people, including a nine-year-old little girl and a journalist. Two others, including another journalist, are critically injured. Investigators say the suspect, suspected shooter is now in custody. They say it is this 19-year-old man who killed a woman yesterday morning, then returned to the scene in the afternoon and shot four other people. It's unclear if the suspect knew the journalists were members of the news media. Right now, there is no apparent connection between the suspect and the mother of that child who was shot. To Ohio, the Environmental Protection Agency is demanding Norfolk Southern to conduct and pay for that cleanup connected to the February 3rd derailment of toxic chemicals, the train that was carrying those chemicals derailing. Pennsylvania's governor says his office has also made a criminal complaint. The railroad says it is working with government officials and that it will clean up the area, saying it has already reimbursed or committed $6.5 million to do it. Private well water testing is still ongoing and it's recommended people who are waiting for those results drink bottled water for the time being, even as officials drink the municipal tap water to show that it's safe. An app being used for drug deals in the Austin area and the undercover police work being done to crack down on it. The University of Texas system has put a pause on all new diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. How students feel about it. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Good Thursday morning, everyone. February 23rd, wrapping up the last few days of the month before we head into March. One of our cameras there showing you the city skyline. Kristen is back with a check of your weather in just the next few minutes. But first, let's get to a new report from the CDC that is revealing an unprecedented wave of grief and sadness among teenage girls. Erica Edwards digs into one of those shocking statistics. About nearly 20% said they had been victims of violent sexual behavior. Last week when the CDC issued its stunning report on the dismal state of teen mental health in the U.S., I decided to look a little bit deeper into one of the most troubling statistics. That is that more than one in ten teen girls said that they had been raped. When you crunch the numbers, that's more than one million girls. Now this survey was done in 2021 when many kids were locked down at home in what should have been a safe space. But sex assault experts remind us that many such attacks occur in families or among close relationships. So in fact, 
in some cases, uh, lockdown increased the exposure to some of these people. What's more, rape crisis counselors tell me that they saw an astronomical rise in the number of reports of cyber sexual violence, like online stalking. I talked with high school girls who said that some of these numbers sound like underestimates, that many young women are still too afraid to speak up. But experts remind us that if there's one thing that people should remember, it's this, not a single girl involved in any unwanted sexual contact is to blame, not one of them. They can recommend confiding in a trusted adult and getting help. Erica Edwards, NBC News. There are some new court documents that show Austin police are going undercover online trying to track down drug dealers. According to arrest warrants, APD detectives use this app Telegram to arrange buying drugs. Officers later arrested two suspects, one with meth, another with cocaine. Telegram is an app that lets users hide their conversations by encrypting them. The Supreme Court is considering the extent of liability for social media companies. Just yesterday, justices heard arguments centered on Twitter. The company is pushing back, though, against those allegations that aided in a 2017 ISIS terrorist attack. Twitter said the company is not legally responsible, despite knowing ISIS members used its platform. Complaint includes no allegation that the defendants provided substantial assistance, much less knowing substantial assistance, to that attack. The case centers on a family whose loved one was killed in Istanbul. The attorneys argued a similar case against Google on Tuesday, saying both platforms should be legally liable for allowing and recommending related extremist content on their platforms. Every terror attack begins and ends on the social media. The attorneys want the court now to remove legal protections for internet companies. And right now, websites cannot be sued for third-party content. It could be tough sell, though. One of the justices said the family would have to prove the company helped to conspire the attack. And the justices will deliver a ruling before the summer. A recent report from property website Zillow highlights just how unaffordable it is to live here in Austin. It would take five full-time minimum wage jobs to rent a typical two-bedroom apartment here. And that is higher than any of the 50 largest cities surveyed nationwide. What a problem, right? There's a new report that finds just how much of a problem this is. How much the average American is spending on rent. The result has set a new milestone for the housing crisis. And I talked to the reporter behind the article for The Hill. All right, Gianna, tell me a little bit about this um, research that went into this article having to do with renters and just how many people in America are renting. Yeah, so the latest report from Moody's Analytics found that the average American now spends at least 30% of their income on rent, which is a threshold that hasn't been met in the over 20 years since the agency has been measuring the metric. Um, it really marks a new milestone for housing affordability in the country. Did you look into some of the reasons why? Yeah, so there's three key reasons behind the threshold being met. One is that incomes have not kept pace with rent increases. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of renters were working in industries that were negatively affected by lockdowns, um, and that really took a hit on their incomes. The second is that there have been fluctuating mortgage rates. So people who would be buyers are kind of dissuaded from buying the home and has pushed them to become renters for longer periods of time than maybe they initially planned to. 
And then the third reason involves a shortage of affordable housing units available. So since the 2008 recession, there's just been a lag in construction and there just aren't enough units available for renters. And that's something that you also looked at over at the Hill, some of the solutions. Um, anything surprising on that end as far as when we could start to see this change? So builders are currently working on a record number of multifamily units right now, which would be more conducive to renting. Um, so that boost in availability of affordable housing could make a dent in the long term, just as there are more units available for people to take advantage of. Um, significant income boosts could also make a difference. But on the flip side of that, you know, landlords could charge more for rent as incomes increase. And then some experts we spoke to said that, you know, it would take significant stress on the labor market and spells of unemployment to really drive down rent increases. And that's not likely going to happen in the near term because the job market is so strong at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and as there is demand for these units, you know, that could really drive up the price. Yeah, I, I thought you all did a really good job kind of making sure people knew how renting and the soaring prices affects the economy and that impacts all of us. So again, thanks again. And we'll look for more information over on the Hill. Thank you. It was really interesting in talking to her when she talked about like when you when you take home your paycheck mm -hmm. and you're putting 30% of that paycheck towards yeah. your rent. And and the problem is what is affordable right, right. here right. in Austin? Right. What right. is affordable? It's, it's a lot of money. And, and the previous report by Zillow saying we are the most expensive city for people making minimum wage, which says our rents are very high and our w minimum wage isn't paying right. very much. Right. Mm -hmm. A third of your paycheck yes. just disappeared. Yeah. Ugh, that hurts, that hurts. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast because our clouds and radar showing a little bit of cloud cover up top. I showed you earlier. Also, we got a little bit of cloud cover underneath the fog, something that we'll be watching for. It's not dense right now. We don't have any dense fog advisories up, but it'll be something we'll keep an eye on here over the next few hours. We know what to do if you do encounter some of those areas of low visibility. Keep it easy on the speeds. Do not turn on your brights. Uh, as far as the area-wide forecast goes, we're not seeing any rain here within state lines. Temperatures coming down just a little bit. Bit. Compared to yesterday, 5 to 15 degrees cooler. We're still above average, seeing widespread 50s and 60s on your way out the door this morning. Those current temperatures look good. Even better this afternoon as we climb back into the low 80s. Yesterday, we overachieved, hit 91. So yes, technically speaking, today's a cooler day, but it's still going to be real nice out there. We've got morning clouds clearing to some afternoon sunshine. Then the clouds will come back tonight. Here's what's important. We're going to see a surge in that cloud cover over overnight into tomorrow. So tomorrow, I'm not expecting a whole lot of any sunshine. Overcast, cloudy on Friday with a 20% chance of a couple pockets of light rain here. It will be very light, drizzle, if you will, because between now and the end of the day tomorrow, our rainfall accumulation is less than a tenth of an inch everywhere. So a few sprinkles on Friday, but really we kind of have one-two punch here. Got a cold front moving in today and then a secondary surge of cooler air tomorrow. So our temperatures are going from the 70s and 80s this afternoon to the 50s and 60s tomorrow with that push of cooler air here. So this is a big update for you this morning. Our forecast models are coming into better agreement that tomorrow is likely going to be much cooler than what we've been spoiled with this week. 80s today, low 60s here in Austin tomorrow. There's a good chunk of us though staying in the 50s on Friday with that cloudy sky and a 20% chance 
of light rain. Couple sprinkles still possible this weekend. It's only a 10% chance of rain both Saturday and Sunday. Temperatures do get warmer 70 Saturday, 80 Sunday, and then a little cooler with more rain possible come Monday. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. A Longhorn women's basketball player is getting a lot of attention for being one of the smallest, but also toughest on the court. If you don't already know who she is, KXAN's Noah Gross would like you to meet Rory Harmon. To shine when things get loud. Come on, use that ninja focus. Is thanks to work in the quiet. Rory's the same person you see on the court, like... She's tough and tenacious. Um, anything to get that 1% better. After a foot injury kept Rory Harmon out of the Longhorns' first five games of the season. Something clicked and was like, Zach, like, we're going to have to start being a little bit more serious with me doing recovery. Perfect. Let's go twist. Zach is Texas women's basketball sports performance coach Zach Zillner. Perfect. He's always willing to do what I'm asking. He's not kind of just like, oh, just do this, do this. He's doing what I need and what I feel like would help me in the long run. When Harmon steps onto the court, she really doesn't come off of it. The sophomore point guard has played all 40 minutes in more than half of the Longhorns' Big 12 games. If I'm not even hurt or I don't feel bad at all, like just to continue to do recovery so it my body starts to feel progressed and I can get ready for the long run. There you go. When Harmon comes in to train with Zillner, she'll find a personalized workout. She says her favorite is working on her calves, least favorite being cold tub, as she calls it six to eight minutes of unhappiness and just feeling vulnerable. During games, Zillner has an attentive eye on a very locked in Harmon, often reminding her, hey, take a sip of water, drink a Gatorade, uh, take a right stuff. Um, then we're constantly watching her, see how much she's moving during the game, just because She's asked to do a lot on the offensive end and especially on the defensive end. To play 40 minutes on the court, you need countless time off of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Noah Gross, KXAN News. I see you practice. I know you're dramatic. <laughs> In 1955, 12 black students in Austin ISD were allowed to attend the formerly all-white schools in their neighborhoods. This after the landmark ruling a year before requiring states to integrate schools. Our documentary titled The Austin 12 chronicles the journey of integration for several black students who made history at Austin High, Travis High, and McCallum, including John Shaw. Well, how I feel then and how I feel now is different, you know. But as I look back on it, it was just amazing to me, you know. All the, the way times were back then, things we had to accept, you know. This is just one portion of the story. We're going to show you another one tomorrow and Friday, and it is powerful. The full documentary, The Austin 12, airs this Saturday evening on KXAN News at 5 p.m. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.